are going to be addressing a subject that you're going to love. The word is joy. We're going to look at joy today in the book of Proverbs. And it has quite a bit to say about joy. And uh, the conclusions are going to be interesting. Not maybe what I expected when I first started the study. But I invite you to join me today. We'll be looking at a variety of scriptures, but our primary scripture is going to be Proverbs 15, 13 through 17. Uh, we'll have the scripture on the screen and uh, just invite you to, to join the study today. And by the way, I just want to reinforce that the best way to enjoy this study in Proverbs is for all of us to be reading Proverbs on a regular basis in our private uh, lives during the week. And if you can read several chapters uh, during the week or more, and then focus on one or two uh, scriptures that uh, give you an opportunity to really meditate and go deeper, that's a great way to study Proverbs. So today, we're studying joy. And let's read our, our primary passage, which is Proverbs 15, 13 through 17. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In the book of Proverbs, uh, the, the word heart is mentioned, as near as I can tell, 85 times. That's a lot of times to deal with the whole thing of heart. And back in, in verse 15, I'd like us to go back there for just a minute. And I consider this as our key verse today. If you memorize a verse out of today's study, this would be the one to memorize. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. I've been fascinated with the idea of a cheerful heart and have studied it extensively in the last couple of weeks just uh, for my own good and also for this class. But uh, the cheerful heart, um, these five verses that we're studying today have connectors that give us clues that they might have been intended to be together. Most of the two-line Proverbs that we have in the book of Proverbs uh, don't seem to be connected to the ones that come before or follow it. Um, this would be a case for uh, at least five verses and possibly two more at the end that we won't be dealing with today that could fit into a, a segment that were intended to be together. Let me uh, describe the, the uh, connecting links that connect these verses. If you go back to verse 13, we, we had the word heart in verse 13. Happy heart makes the, the face cheerful. Now go into verse 14. The discerning heart seeks knowledge. And then verse 15. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. So those three verses are connected by the word heart. It's the same uh, Hebrew word, lev, and um, it, it connects those three verses. Now, uh, what connects the next two verses is 
also comes from verse 15. And it's a word that we don't see in the English language, and so I'll have to describe it to you. It's the word uh, good. And in the Hebrew, that word would be tob. And so uh, the cheerful heart in Hebrew literally is, has the word good, good heart. But the good heart has a continual feast. Now, I want to just say that our translators did the right thing by calling it a cheerful heart because whenever good and heart are linked together, it, the implication or the intent is to convey the idea of a cheerful heart. All of the examples in Scripture um, point in that direction. So they did the right thing, but if we were being strictly literal, um, the word would be good, but the good heart has a continual feast. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Better a little with the fear of the Lord. The word better in the Hebrew, again, is that word tov, which is good. So good a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better works better for English, but for in the Hebrew, it was good. Let's look at 617. Better a small serving of vegetables. Again, it's that Hebrew word tob, which um, is the word good. So the verse 15 is like a linking verse that links the two verses before it and the two verses after it. And that's our key verse for today. I'd like to go back there one more time. And uh, the verse is this, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. This is a great verse, and I, I want us to remember it today because it's of, of everything that you could take away from the, the teaching today, I really would like you to take this away. Uh, all the days of the oppressed are wretched. These oppressed are probably people that are oppressed innocently. Perhaps they've um, just, they're, let's say they're poor. Um, poor, though trying to do their best to put food on the table, that kind of thing. They've, they're not oppressed because of folly, but they're oppressed because... Um, uh, they're innocently oppressed. Perhaps they're just uh, targeted by people who are oppressors. And um, those days are wretched. If you're an outsider looking in, you would say those days are wretched. But the cheerful heart has a continual feast. And the word cheerful here in the Hebrew, again, is, is the word for good, but... Um, it's, it's right for us to use cheerful uh, in, in translation because when good and heart are placed together in the Hebrew language, uh, they always imply cheerful or a happy heart, uh, a heart that's joyful. And so this was an okay way to do the translation, but I like to go back and realize that there was another word for cheerful that could have been chosen, but they chose this word. And uh, it has connections in which we've already talked about. Uh, so the cheerful heart seems to be able to overcome the days of wretchedness that come from being oppressed, either through, um, through being poor or being targeted unfairly, 
A person who has a cheerful heart seems to be able to thrive in the midst of all of that. Let me tell you about Clara. Clara was a wonderful person that my wife and I met in our first um, place of uh, work. After college, we went to a place in central Wisconsin and uh, began, first of all, in a church, and then we uh, started a ministry called Youth for Christ in that part of the, the uh, state. And um, we had to raise support. And so one of our first supporters to come on board and support us financially and through prayers and through just encouragement was a woman named Clara. She had a son who was involved in the program. He was in high school and um, was active in what we were doing. And she was so grateful for what was happening in his life that she just decided to support the ministry. Clara worked as a waitress at a cafe. She had a number of children. Most of her children were now older. Um, she was never able to afford a car. And so uh, in this, granted, a smaller town, she walked everywhere she went. And if you know central Wisconsin, it's cold in the wintertime and snowy. And that was never a problem for her. She wore boots. She wore coats. She walked everywhere she went. She gave probably one of the smallest contributions to our ministry uh, that, was, that was given on a regular basis. I still remember it. But it was regular, and it was always there. I believe that it was a priority for her. And she was a happy person. She was poor, but she was happy. And it was like the wretchedness of her life, which many people would have railed at God for, was not an issue for her. She had a cheerful heart. And so she had a continual feast. She had happy children. And she made people happy around her. She whistled. She seemed to have a happy life. And... That was because she had a cheerful heart, and so she had a continual feast. I'd like for us to go back now, and we're going to work through um, the other verses in this five-verse section, and we'll begin with verse 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but, a, but heartache crushes the spirit. What was not true of Clara was that she was negligent and that was causing her poverty or the hard, hard times that she experienced from a material standpoint. Uh, she had worked hard and, uh, but still was poor. Her husband had died much earlier in life, and she had been left with, I believe it was five children to raise and clothe, and she did it on a waitress's salary um, with her wage and her tips, and she made it work. <clears throat> but a happy heart can overcome uh, those kind of circumstances. But a heartache, but heartache in the case of verse 13, probably refers to 
heartache that's caused by folly. And it's true that when you've squandered your life and you look back on that, that that kind of heartache does crush the spirit. Uh, when your focus has been folly, um, that brings a crushed spirit. Let's go on to verse 14. The discerning heart seeks knowledge. Again, we're talking about the heart. These three verses all deal with the heart. And uh, a discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. There's a there's an antithesis set up here. This is an antithetical parallelism. A discerning person is someone who's seeking after wisdom. The word discerning and wisdom and knowledge and instruction, all those are, are cousins and uh, they're alike. And so this discerning heart, this wise heart, seeks after knowledge. And the result of that um, it is a cheerful heart. But the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. And that's what caused the, the crushed spirit that we, or, or the heartache that we read about in verse 13. But um, in this case, this person is seeking knowledge and uh, that's producing good things. Let's read verse 15 one more time. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. And that's really true. That's what happens when you have a good heart, when you have a cheerful heart. Let's go on to verse, uh, before we do, before we go on to verse 16, I'd like you to look now uh, and think about that word cheerful in verse 15. Remember that in the Hebrew, the uh, word is tov, which means good. And, and uh, we're going to see that link now in verse 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Remember that better in the Hebrew is the word tov, which uh, is good. So good a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I think of that with Clara. Think about that. She didn't have very much, but she feared the Lord. What does that mean? She loved the Lord. She was always in church. She went every time that she could go. And uh, she, she loved being in God's presence and she um, followed God in her life. She didn't have any wealth, but she had the fear of the Lord and that was better than wealth in her case. Let's go on to verse 17. Here's that word better, which we know in Hebrew means tov. And uh, it means good. So good a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. One of the interesting things about Clara, she lived in a, a, a house on a street that also had some very wealthy, um, uh, immaculate mansions. And uh, she happened to be in a very uh, poor house, but uh, along the street that she would have to walk to get home would be some quite uh, impressive mansions. We just visited that city where we lived um, just a couple of months ago. And I remember going back on that street and looking at those houses and, and remembering how um, 
the contrast uh, today, just remembering that. Uh, so here's Clara living in a poor, small house, and there are great wealthy houses along the way. They're probably eating the fattened calf, so to speak. And here she is having a few vegetables, but she's having it with love. And it's better that way. She has more of a feast than they're having because she's enjoying her small little bit with love. And perhaps down the street they aren't. I don't know for sure what was going on in those homes. I'm just saying that could have been the case. And so um, we have this whole thing of a cheerful heart um, coming because of the heart. Let's talk about the heart for just a minute. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's a great verse. I've found myself coming back to this verse almost every week that um, I prepare a lesson. And it's important today for this reason. A cheerful heart is not an accident. It's the result of someone who has guarded their heart. When you think about a guard, I, th I think about uh, some of these um, office buildings in big cities where you walk into the lobby and there's a guard and he'll ask for identification. And if you're... Um, Supposed to have business there, you're allowed in, but if you're not, you're kept out. And the idea is security. And so his job is to keep out bad people and to let in good people. You might think of it maybe something that would be a little more close to home. Think about your child's school. And you go into the school and perhaps there's a security guard there. And his, his job is to keep out people that have bad intent and to let in people that have good intent, like teachers who are going to build into the lives of these students or other resource people that are going to do good things for them. Well, in the same way, we need to be the guards of our heart. And with the Lord's help, we can do that. Keeping out whatever's bad, and allowing in everything that's good. And if we do that, then what flows from our heart is going to be a cheerful heart. It's going to be that, uh, that joy that we all desire to have that can overcome negative circumstances like Clara's and uh, thrive in the midst of what some people would consider adversity. Uh, that comes from a person who has guarded their heart. I'd like you to look at a couple of verses, that, a couple of passages that um, reinforce this thought. Let's look at Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. Remember that in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, um, a father is giving advice to a son. And here he's giving further advice. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, 
Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, here's some of the good that can come when we seek after what is good and we, we actively seek that kind of thing to put into our hearts. When we do that, uh, what will happen is we'll have a good heart, a cheerful heart that can uh, withstand adversity. Let's look at one other scripture and that is um, Proverbs 3.3. 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. These are, these are some good things that we can put into our hearts. And when we do, they'll produce good things. Love and faithfulness. Um, I like that. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Can you see that in your mind's eye? Writing those things on your heart. Those are things you want in your heart. Let's look at another passage. This is uh, Proverbs eleven twenty. The Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. And so we want to keep out of our hearts anything that's perverse. Probably a, a definition of perverse could include things that are perverted, anything that's evil, anything that's against the law of God, against the principles that he has laid down in his word. Those would be things that are perverse things that are demeaning to others, things that are uh, debilitating to ourselves. Those are perverse things. And so the Lord detests those things. And uh, we should keep those things out of our hearts. But he delights in those whose ways are blameless. When we seek after the ways of God, um, we're delighting in those things that are blameless in his sight. Well, there's an interesting little twist in this thing of, of, of our hearts, and here it is. Not only do we have a responsibility for our own heart, but we have a responsibility for the hearts of those around us. There are uh, two or three scriptures that I want to share with you today, and uh, let me do that with you right now. Let's look at Proverbs 12:25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I think we can all relate to being anxious um, about something and then feeling a tremendous weight in our hearts. We become fearful about something. Um, we're not sure how someone feels about us. Um, we're not sure um, if some important thing is going to come through, a, a business deal, a, an offer on a house, um, a check that we need to make ends meet. And uh, that anxiety weighs down our heart. But a kind word cheers it up. I shared something with you weeks ago about being in a lab uh, getting some blood drawn and I was hoping to zip in and out of there in five minutes and it ended up being more like um, over an hour and there were a lot of people there and they lost my paperwork and 
I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get my blood drawn, and I, I needed it for the appointment that I was going to have the next day. And a very kind woman came in, a supervisor in that department, and she came up to me and she said, um, I understand that you've been waiting quite a while and that we don't have the paperwork that we need to process your, your lab work. And she said, um, I, want, I don't want you to worry about this. We're going to be able to take care of it, and we'll uh, be able to get your blood drawn very soon. And she smiled, and she left. And uh, it was like somebody stuck a pin in my balloon. You know, I was all uptight before, and with those kind words, I just relaxed, and I sat back against the back of my chair and waited, and it very short order, she came back, and I was able to have the blood processed. And so we can be that to other people when we sense that someone has anxiety. And it could be someone that's even angry at us. Perhaps they're under pressure, and something we did set them off. A kind word to them could help them just calm down. You know, something like, I understand um, that this has been a hard day for you, and I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, I'm sorry that uh, people like me have been such a burden on, on what your day is. And I'm, I'm using maybe a poor example right now, but uh, you can figure it out. When you sense somebody is weighted down with anxiety, speak a kind word. We have an, op we have an obligation to bring cheer, to bring a cheerful heart to others. Here's another one. Proverbs 15:30. Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Back to the lady in the lab. The very first thing that she did before she said a word was she smiled at me. Can you imagine? You're a supervisor over all these people that are working in this lab, and the lab is packed, and people are wanting to get their work done and get out of there. She has calmness in her spirit and has enough reserve in her own heart to come up and smile at somebody like me. She did that. And I remember that um, it brought joy to my heart that I was going to be taken care of. And we can do that with people just by our eyes. When we engage people, we can, we can convey acceptance. We can convey an approval. We can convey a peace that brings joy to their heart. And then good news that gives health to the bones. Sometimes we encounter people who are, um, they just... They just believe that uh, their situation is beyond help, that nothing can help their situation. And I know that we can't be uh, quick to speak in situations like that. A lot of times we need to just listen. And in listening, we, we validate these people. But occasionally, after listening, we can give some good news. Uh, something that pertains to their situation 
that's, that's good. Not trying to talk them out of their issue and saying, oh, don't think like that. Um, your problem isn't really all that bad. And, and playing down the things that they're feeling, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there are things that we can say that are good news to people that are weighed down. And we have a responsibility to do that. Makes me think of the passage in Isaiah 52, when Isaiah talks about um, people that are needing good news, uh, Israel, Judah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. People need to know that God is on the throne. And if we can say that in a tactful way to someone who is um, weighed down, if we can say it even without words through our demeanor, um, but also with words when it's appropriate to say God reigns, God's in control, he's gonna help you. And we convey it by our spirit and our presence. What, um, what a tremendous thing. We do have a responsibility to uh, bring a cheerful heart to others around us. So, I don't know what you've taken from this today, but um, the thing that I've taken, and if we could go back to uh, Proverbs 15, 15, which is our key verse for today, I'd just like you to remember that a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And um, remember, that's a, that's a good heart. That's a heart that's been nurtured in, a, in an appropriate way. That's a heart that's been guarded, um, keeping out the bad, allowing in the good, and even seeking the good to input into our lives. That kind of a heart will have a continual feast no matter what the outward circumstances. Think about Clara and the feast that she enjoyed every day. Though she lived in a poor house, she had very little money, she had a continual feast. Would you join me in prayer? Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful passage that lets us know that we can rise above our circumstances in our spirits. We can have a cheerful heart. And I just pray that you would give hope to everyone who's listening today. And God, may we walk in this week with a cheerful heart. May we cultivate a cheerful heart. And may you help us. May you give that to us. And may we give it to others around us. May we pass it on. I pray these things in Jesus' name.